0: Father, thank you for the utterance this morning Thank you You give me the utterance this morning, Holy Spirit That the Father may be glorified And Jesus may be glorified And your church may be edified Amen So um, The Lord started to speak last week, and he wanted to make a point about redemption, what it cost him, cost him his blood, cost him his life. And he wanted to make a point about redemption last week, with the four Greek words that he uses in the New Testament, four Greek words that he uses in the New Testament for the word redemption, The one word, redemption, agorizo, tells us that Jesus Christ came to earth to locate us in our depravity and to personally inspect our slavery to Satan. The other word for redemption is ex agorizo, which declares that Jesus came not only to inspect our condition, but he came to permanently remove us. Permanently remove us from Satan's power. The third word for redemption Lutro tells us that Jesus was so dedicated to deliver us from Satan's dominion that he was willing to pay the ransom price of his own blood in order to break the devil's ownership over us. The fourth word for redemption, apollotrosis, tells us that in addition to permanently setting us free from Satan's dominion, Uh, No, tells us that in addition to permanently setting us free from Satan's hold, Jesus has also restored us to the position of sons of God. We are fully restored, made joint heirs with Jesus Christ himself. That's Romans 8.17. And this is what redemption is all about. So... The Lord wanted me to make the point that he is wanting a people. And we looked at that scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We don't have to put it up, but we looked at that scripture that he said, um, Come out from among her. Come out from among the world system. Come out of the world system. And I will be to you a God, and you will be my people. That scripture is... Probably repeated in the Old Testament four or five times Where God speaks to his people and he says come out from among the world Where you have mingled yourself with the world system And I will be your God and you will be my people So God is looking for a people And so that is in New Testament speaking is the church And the local church The local church localized ecclesias is in the heart of God and it's in the plan of God. The fact that many people take it upon themselves just to start a church when God didn't send them and God didn't call them is got nothing, is none of my business and it's none of your business. But the fact that God has called here geographically and relationally called a messenger to come into this location, that is our business. Right. And so, so a people, he's wanting a people. So he calls a people Luke 1. Luke 1 says that God will come to us in the spirit of Elijah. He will come to us in the spirit of Elijah to prepare For him, a people adjusted in spirit for the Lord. So these are a people for the Lord, prepared and ready for the Lord. So when he speaks about redemption, there is a scripture in Galatians, chapter chapter 1, from verse 3 to 5. Grace be to you, and peace from God the Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. I don't think anything could be more clear than that scripture. When it says that Jesus came to give himself, to deliver us, redeemed us, he redeemed us from this present evil world. Right. According to the will of God, to whom be the glory forever. So our redemption Means that we're to come out of this evil world, not to participate with it, not to partake of it, not to follow, like I shared with you last week, who not to walk according to the course, the course of this world, the fashion of this world, the, the, their ways of thinking, their ways of doing things, the culture of this world, that's not, this is what God is wanting us To come out of the culture of the world. The way they think and the way they do things in every area of our lives. What they think about finances. What they think about entertainment. What they think about education. What they think about um, all of the institutions of the world have been set up by Satan to institutionalize us. Totally prevent us from following God and seeking first the kingdom, but to seek the world system and to go the way of the wicked world. And it's Corinthians 4 4 that says, Satan is the God of this world. So everything that you're following that's in this world is Satan is the God of it. God was not the God of all the institutions of this world, He did not institute them. And so, he wanted me to talk to you about people prepared, redemption, and I went there. And then he wanted me to go to how my people, many of my people receive my word. So, they come to my word to be fascinated, for fascination and not for transformation. And then we read that scripture in Ezekiel. So I'm going to continue with that because I did go there with a fascination, that they come to be fascinated and not to be transformed. And this is continuing on the point about receiving God's word. So let me go to this part that he began to speak to me about. Um, I'll get there. Yes. So he spoke to me about this was in March. He said, Sharon, congregation, heritage of faith people, to make the switch from chase after to seeking first the kingdom of God. Now, Pastor John ministered a message on chasing after the things of the world. Chasing after business the way the world chases. Chasing after the accolades and the gold medals and the the things of the world as the world chases. Chasing after chasing the way that the world chases. And he read from that scripture that all the world is chasing after these things. And you should not even be worried about these things. You should not even concern them. You should just be seeking first the kingdom of God. You see, for you to switch, hmm, for me to switch, for you and I as a people to switch from the chase that the world institutions have taught us to chase to seeking first, he said this to me, is revolutionary. It will require a revolution within you. Within your inner man. And then he said this. It requires a great. Wrenching. W R E N C I H I N G. It requires a great. Wrenching. A heart. Wrenching. Work. Which my people. Want. From the Holy Spirit to do in them. It is possible with me. To do a heart-wrenching work in the hearts of my people so that they can switch and have a revolution, an about-turn, an axial-orbital turn in their way of thinking and their way of living. Um, It's possible with me. A heart that turns to me with all the heart, I can wrench. I can wrench with my words. My words are my wrench. To wrench, for you to have a heart wrenching experience and encounter with God's word, a wrench is to twist and pull suddenly, especially so as to remove something from that to which it is attached. You do not know to what degree you are attached to this world system and its way of thinking, and its way of acting, and its way of speaking. You and I do not know the degree to which we are attached, right? So, to wrench is to twist and pull suddenly and violently, especially so as to remove something from that to which it is attached. To wrench means to twist. To wrestle. And then the Lord said to me, if they want a wrench, if they want a wrench, a heart-wrenching experience, it's going to take a wrestling with me, personally, like Jacob had. He would not let God go. And you see, this is all that cannot happen to you because you're not intimate with him. You don't have intimate times with God for yourself. You don't draw near to him. So then you can't have a heart wrenching experience. You're not drawing near to him for revolution. Redemption, revelation for a revolution. And in there today we're going to see repentance comes right in there because there can be no revolution without repentance. Repentance is the revolution actually It is the turnaround It is the turnaround of the mind The spirit of your mind It is the turnaround of your heart It's removed From its attachments to anything In the world and it is It's a Turnaround of it's an about Turn I'm getting to the Definition of a revolution but It's actually doing this And going in the complete opposite direction. It's not a foot in both. You cannot serve both. Jesus said you can't. You think you are, but you're not. You have a bit of the world system, a bit of the devil, and a bit of God. A bit of the devil and a bit of God. And in that scripture in Second Corinthians six it says, How can any you can have anything in common with Satan? This is a revolution. God is bringing about a revolution in this church, and if you want to know why, because you you perhaps knew, and if you want to be reminded, because you've been here for a while, there's a price that has been paid for this revolution, and there's a press that has been made for this revolution, and the the, the spiritual leader of this ecclesia has qualified, and God is bringing it about. With enough people who will hear and obey and have an experience, a revolution by the mighty resurrection work of God in them. They will want it. They will go to God to wrestle for the wrenching by the words of God that come to this congregation. I read to you last week, uh, we looked at that scripture out of Ezekiel, they come to you as my people do and they just come and listen and they won't do anything that you say. But they say, come, let's go hear what the latest message is. But they won't do anything you say with your, their hearts. They show must, much love. But, they, but they, they, they actually don't do the word. And so one of the biblical uh, commentaries says that people just go because other people go to church. That's the reason. One of the reasons that people go to church is because other people go. And I formed quite a nice um, circle here. And where else would I go? I'd have to start all over again. Well, that's not what's in the heart of God. You come to have your heart wrenched by the word. So that you can experience transformation, not coming, so that you can be fascinated with church and a church message like you would be with a rugby match. Or with a movie, fascinated with a movie, spellbound. So um, I'm coming to church because other people come to church, so you might as well hold me spellbound with the anointing while you're about it. So God says here, Jacob wrestled, you wrenched him. He wrestled. You changed his very DNA. You changed his name and his nature. And you smote him. If you're not wrestling with him for the wrenching and for the blessing of identity change, then you will rest his words that his messengers bring. And this word is W R E S. -S -S. You will rest. W R E S T. You will rest His words. If you're not wrestling with God for identity change with the Word, then you will rest His words. So, here's a scripture: Second Peter three sixteen, the King James uses this word rest, W-R-E-S-T. If we can just put that one up, please. Psalm, just while they're getting that, Second Peter 3.16, there's a Psalm 56 verse 5 that says, Every day they rest my words. W-R-E-S-T. Every day they rest my words. So also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, Therein are some things hard to understand which those who are unlearned and unstable is because you've not learned it in the word of God. Not because you cannot be learned but because you haven't become learned and because the word of God is not your diet and your passion and you, you, you do not know the scriptures. So there are some things hard to understand which those who are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So that's what people do. But God is speaking to the people in this church, that there are people in this church that not only come to be fascinated, but they also come to rest his words. And I'm going to go into that now. Thank you. You can take that scripture off. To rest. This word rest is a word that means they distort my words. They twist them, they bend them, they turn them. The Webster's dictionary of rest, my words. You see, you do this in your mind. You do this in your mind while the word is coming to you. You are resting his words. So that already when the Lord has spoken to you this morning through this vessel and said, You are not intimate with him. You are not having intimacy with him. Already you rested those words by saying, well, I don't have the time. I prefer watching TV. I'm not making special time to be alone with God. You already rested those words that the Lord was saying to you. That's how you rest them. You distort them. You twist them. You make them fit in with your culture and your own thinking. So this word rest means to twist from its proper meaning. It doesn't really mean what you're saying, Pastor John. It doesn't really. I'm going to twist what you're saying from its proper meaning so that it can mean what I want it to mean. It cannot be that I can take that word literally. I take it philosophically, the way I take all the other philosophies of the world and I fit it into all the ideologies and philosophies of the world. To rest means to twist from its proper meaning, to pervert. And they seek to enter my kingdom doing just this, Sharon. And they do this with violence because that's also what it means here. To rest means to extort by violence. I'm very purposeful, and I'm on purpose not going to do this word. So I'm distorting it with violence, the violence of my will. They seek to enter my kingdom doing just this, Sharon. They do this with violence, a violent twist of my words. With these I cannot work. They continue their chase, resting. W R E S T I N G Resting My Words. My revelations become their restings. They rest my revelations. My revelation or for my redemptive purposes for my kingdom to come. They are not intended to be rested with. They are intended to bring about in each one of mine in this assembly a powerful personal revolution. Please get an accurate definition here. Revolution. I'm going to define revolution this morning. I defined redemption for you. What it cost Jesus. What it did for us to come completely free from everything in the world. Every way of thinking. Every way of acting. Right. God's defining revolution now. Revelation, he's been speaking about. Revelation that comes from the messages. Revelation that keeps coming from Pastor John. Revelation that's coming, that came to me from the Lord Jesus that I'm bringing to you now. Revelation that God's people rest. So, for a revolution. So, The etymology of this word revolution is an instance of great change. An overthrow of an established political or social system. So I put this to you. God is desiring for us to have a revolution. An overthrow of this world system. He's requiring you and I to overthrow it in our hearts and in our minds and in our lifestyles. A great overthrow. This is what the Lord Jesus is doing in Heritage of Faith. I told you why. I told you why. Pastor John, together with me at his side, have pressed for this. We're pressing for God's highest and best for his glory. We are pressing for Jesus to build Ecclesia here. Pastor John has given God on major things unqualified obedience. With irrational honor in his heart. For God first. Webster says this of revolution. A total radical revolution. Change as a revolution in one's way of living. A profound, fundamental, not a fractured change. I'll make a little change here and I'll make a little change there. That is trying to do both again. I'll serve this a little bit and I'll serve you cannot. You are. Some of you are. But it's not going to bring you to a revolution that God is requiring of us for Ecclesia in our hearts. For us to be mature sons of God that can legislate on his behalf in the earth, be the authority and reveal to the principalities and the powers the manifold wisdom of God through the church. It says here, a fundamental change in the way you're governed, So, what is who is governing your life in your area of your relationships? The magazines and movies governing your life? Hollywood governing your life in the area of relationships? Who is governing your life? Is the entertainment of this world governing your life? Pastor John said some very powerful things about watching movies. I can't get away from it because it's in his message. What you watch and what you look at is what enters your heart. And it's where you get your ideas from. What is governing your life? It's just one small example. So... It's the overthrow and the renunciation of one government. I renounce the things in this world that govern my thinking about finances, about relationships, about making my own plans, when God's word so clearly says he knows the thoughts and plans he has for me. Right. The substitution of another. Revolution means a drastic and far-reaching change in ways of thinking and behaving and visualizing. Thinking, behaving, and visualizing. When I got to that part of Pastor John's message when he was speaking about the impact that movies have on your your thinking and then on your behavior. And uh, what you look at was one of the statements that he made. What you look at. And I wrote there by the message that I print I look at your word. I look, my eyes will behold only your word. The psalmist says, I will set no evil thing before my eyes. I will set no evil thing before my eyes. What are you saying? How radical and how drastic is this, Pastor Sharon? That is your personal dealing with God or not. As for me, in my house, I will serve the Lord, and anything that breaks down the godliness in me, I will not entertain. Because that's what the word entertainment means. It enters you, you contain it. The mint is like, it becomes like cement in your life and in your heart. Entertainment. Well, that's just my own thing there. Ways of thinking, behaving and visualizing. An open, formidable resistance, a transformation and a shift. It's got nothing to do with an earthly government. This is not revolution in terms of we're going to have a revolution against our government. We're to pray for them. It's got everything to do with coming out of darkness in us, our darkness that we've been in in the world and into his kingdom of light. Right. To rest also means this, to take power or control from someone with considerable effort. That's what we do. So we take the power of God's word from us. Distort the meaning of something. This is another meaning of rest, when you rest God's words. As you're sitting here now, some of you are resting My my words that God is putting in my mouth to speak to you Distort the meaning of something to suit one's own interests and idols To distort the meaning of something to suit one's own views and opinions Philosophies or ideologies Sharon, my people do this all the time with all my words that I bring here They usurp the authority of my word In their lives, and I'm powerless to deliver them and bring them out of their darkness. They take my words from me and make it what they want it to be. They have no right, no legal right, when they do this because my word gives them a legal right. They are defenseless because my words are their only defense. And so then he brought this to me too. He said, um, Isaiah 45, 19 in the Amplified Bible is very powerful. I want you to see this today, that God is a straightforward talker. He talks straight. He doesn't talk in hidden, veiled meanings. Isaiah um, 45, 19. It's been a scripture that has kept me for decades. If ever there's been something in me that's wanted to question God's word, he said to me, I speak straight. My word means what it says. I'm speaking straight here, Sharon. All right. This is how God does not speak. He does not speak in secret, in a corner of the land of darkness. He does not call us, descendants of Jacob, to a fruitless service saying, seek me for nothing, but I promise them a just reward. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I speak the truth, I speak trustworthy, I speak straightforward correspondence between words, deeds, words and deeds. I declare things that are right. So that's just it, his word is truth. His word is truth. And you know what little children do? They just believe. Little children will believe Everything and anything you tell them. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 18, unless you become like a little child that does not rest my words, because little children have not been filled and pumped with the world's ways of thinking and acting and speaking. A little child has still got that innocence. And Jesus says, unless you become like a little child, you just trust all my words. You believe all my words. You believe you come to church and you believe and you listen to my messenger and you don't mistrust him. If God's planted you here and you mistrust Pastor John and our words, I don't know what you're doing here. I really don't know what you're doing here. Why are you here? If you do not trust the words that come from Pastor John and from me. You come because other people come. You made some friends here. God has you here so that he can wrench your heart. So that you can wrestle with him, with the messages. So you can have a transformation. So that you can have redemption, full redemption in your life. So, this is what he also said people do with his word second peter one verse twenty and twenty one amplified bible second peter chapter one verse twenty and twenty one this is what he said that his people also do with his words, especially the words coming from the messengers but if you believe god's word, his written word without the messenger. His written word clearly tells you that he sends messengers to you with a message. So, let's put that scripture up. 2 Peter 1 verse 20. You must understand this. That no prophecy of scripture is a matter of personal, private, special interpretation and loosening and solving. Just keep it there. Just keep it on that one. So he said this to me. He said to me, so what my people do the, is this. They make it a personal, private, special interpretation and they, of loosening and solving for themselves. That's what they do. They'll have their own private, special interpretation. And they'll loosen the word up and they'll solve it for themselves and put it into. They'll whitewash it. That was another word he used. Resting, um Whitewash, they'll whitewash it To fit in with their philosophies They'll give their own personal, private, special interpretation Their own loosening and their own solving I'll, I'll interpret this word that you bring bringing this morning, Pastor Sharon You must understand I have my own personal Solving and interpretation of this word this morning It's not, I can't take it literal Right, the next verse, thank you for no prophecy or scripture no prophecy or inspired message that comes forth from a message and messenger that word prophecy is a greek word prophetia which means inspired speaking this morning the spirit of god inspires me to speak these things to you No, prophecy originates it because I willed it to say these words this morning. Pastor John does not come here on a Sunday morning because he wills to say something. No, prophecy originates because some man willed it to do so. It never came by human impulse. Men spoke from God, who were born and impelled and moved by the Holy Spirit. So, if this helps you, I will tell you that when Pastor John receives inspired prophetic messages from God and comes and stands here, he is focused completely on being impelled and moved along and borne along by the Holy Spirit. It is the same thing that I do with the Holy Spirit. I stand and preach. I'm ministering to you in the presence of God. God's listening and watching me minister this morning. He's listening to, to hear whether I'm speaking the words that he gave me to speak to you. He's present in me, impelling me to speak these words. Right, you can take that scripture off. Thank you. They fit my words into their chase. They twist, they rest. This is a wicked way. They have no fear before their eyes of me. So to these I say, Psalm 50, 16 and 17, what right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant pledge upon your lips? Seeing you hate instruction and correction And cast my words behind you They do this They discard my words that I keep bringing to them They have no right To take my covenant pledge on their lips And recite them Because what they want to do Is they want to take a lucky dip Just a lucky dip out of my word When it suits them But with the rest of my words That I bring to them They rest them They whitewash them So then when you quickly need a promise, you want to pull it out, the Lord said, my word is not a lucky dip. When you're suddenly in trouble and you've been discarding, can we put that scripture up? Psalm 50, verse 16 and 17 out of the Amplified, please. Psalm 50, verses 16 and 17. But to the wicked, the twisted, those who twist his words, rest his words. That word wicked comes from wicker, like a wicker chair, those twisted strands. That's what wicked means. You twist things. To those that twist things, God says, What right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant covenant or pledge on your lips? You want to quickly quote a scripture. Next verse, please. Seeing that you hate instruction and correction... Because this is how you you want you come for fascination, not for transformation. You come to rest my words, whitewash my words, put it into your philosophy, fitting in with all your other ideas and ideologies. You have no right. You hate instruction and correction. And you cast my words. You cast my words that come to you from my messengers every Sunday. You cast them behind you. You discard them. So if you do that, then what right have you? You have no right. That's just what God's word is telling us today. You have no right. So the great divide. The Lord wants me to speak about the great divide today. The great divide. So I'm going to give you one scripture here. How must I receive his word? There's so many, but I can't go there now. Because I must get to the great divide. Receiving his word. I'm just going to give it to you. You don't have to put it up. You can go and see it for yourself. How to receive the word of God. Isaiah 66:5. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. You who tremble at his word. James 1:21 to 25. Receive. Welcome. The word which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your soul. Look carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty. Be faithful in it. Persevere in looking into it. But I want you to look at movies. What are you looking at? What are you allowing your children to look at? This is not to shame anybody. Of what you have done up until now. This is in order for you to understand that there is a repentance that can come into your heart. And a transformation and a revolution that can come to you right now. Because there's great grace in this house for it now. How do I receive God's word? 1 Thessalonians 2. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. I thank God for this. When you received the message of God which you heard from us. Here it is, which you heard from us. You welcomed it, not as the word of mere men, but as it truly is the word of God, which is effectually at work in you. You sit and you receive and you believe the word, exercising its superhuman power in those who trust in it and rely on it, receiving it so deeply. This is what the Lord said to me, receiving my word so deeply that you experience its mighty transforming power at work within you. Then Colossians 3.16, let it have its home in your hearts and minds and dwell in you in all its richness. So there we go. I'm going to do that, but then I'm going to go to the divide. I'm going to go to the divide because... This comes from Pastor John's message, his 3rd of July message over here. And he brought this scripture, 1 John 2, 18 to 19. You don't have to put it up. I'm just reading it. Little children, it's the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming, even many now. Now many Antichrists have come, by which we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. You see, this of us is the same word that God says, you're in the world, but you're not of it. If you're of this church, if you're of this house, it means the messages are of, you are of the message. You are of the instructions God is bringing to this house. You are of it. It's impossible if you're of it to ever leave it. It's impossible to ever be of it when it's really part of your you've eaten it, you've drunk it, you've digested it, you've lived it. It's, you would have to turn your back. And then you'll, you'll know exactly what you've done. You know you've turned your back because like Esau, jumping the gun here a little bit when it says Esau sold his birthright for his flesh. And when he wanted it back, Even though he had tears, he could find no place of repentance. That's not because he couldn't repent. It's because it's not what he wanted to do. He wanted both the blessings. He didn't want to repent. Repentance is something that you want. You want to change. Right. So there's a level. Then the Apostle John, this is very powerful here. After he read this, they went out from us. Well then well, they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they may, might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Listen to what Pastor John said right after that. There is a level of conversation that God is having with us here, through the Apostle John, that is saying. There are people that God calls into relationship with him and his church. And they choose not to go further with that relationship. They choose to rather go out from among the Christians that are pursuing God, that can be called his children... And they live their lives in the way they choose to live their lives. They don't pursue God. And God says it's so that they can be exposed. So they can be seen that they are not on the same level of consecration and separation that we are committing ourselves to God. So God said in this church is coming a great divide. There already is a great divide. Those that have repented. Especially from the messages, I will take the children. Especially from the message, the two messages that he announced the new era. Our new era of this church. October 2020 was 20 years, perfect period of waiting, open, over, cycle, over, right. I can't go into all of that. But he... he, uh, he declared a new era through brother Jerry and new open door through brother Jerry. And he announced his new era with, I will take the children. And what is your more for speaking to all of us in heritage of faith about your money. He's requiring a response from you because he's deeply relational. He's deeply relational. This is nothing to do with law. I'm telling you, for you to tithe and you to bring offerings is not a law. But I'll tell you what law it is. It's the law of love. It's the new commandment law. A new commandment I give unto you. That you love the Lord your God. And if you love him, you will give him. You will give him. It's your love covenant connector. Your tithe shows your love. It shows your love and your trust. It's deeply personal, relational. Hallelujah, the great divide. The Lord said this to me. And we need to put this other scripture up here. 1 Corinthians 11, 18 and 19. Please, 1 Corinthians 11, 18 and And 19 Um, Can you just go to verse 19 I just want to see here Yeah Right, go to verse 18 again, thank you For in the first place When you assemble as a congregation I hear that there are divisions Among you And I in part believe it I'm just emphasizing the way the Lord gave the scripture to me Please I'm not taking it out of context. For doubtless there have to be factions. That word factions is divisions. There must be divisions. And parties among you. In order that they who are genuine. I remember a few years ago when Pastor John wrote the scripture. It leapt in my spirit. The Lord said there must be divisions among you. And he he, he said, but God doesn't bring division. Luke 12. So there must be division among you. Some, a lot of translations say there have to be divisions among you. In order that they who are genuine. And of approved spiritual fitness. May become evident and plainly recognized among you. So it can be clearly seen one translation says who is qualifying and who is not qualifying This is about choice not performance So Luke 12:51 I want you to see what Jesus brings here Luke 12:51 Do you suppose I've come to bring peace on the earth I say to you, rather division. Next. From now on in one house, there will be five divided among themselves. Three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Right, that's it. How does the division come? The sword. Hebrews 4. My sharp, two-edged sword of my word. That can come to one heart in a family. And divide between soul and spirit. And that one heart takes the sword. And lets the sword cut and divide what is between the soul and what is between the spirit. Because everything that is of the world system is soul. There's no soul. Life there They will come a divide Between a husband and a wife Between a, a Mother and a father And a child Jesus said When they called him and they said Your mother and your Brothers are looking for you, he said, who's my mother and who's my father? They that do the will of God. That's who my family is. Not my blood-born family. Those who do the will of my father. So in one family, there can be someone that is going all in might be a struggle for them because they've got to sit in that house with that television on all the time. They've got to sit in that house while you're drinking alcohol. They've got to sit in that house while you're doing your carnal things. And you're putting a stumbling block before them. But their hearts can be true because they've said to themselves, Jesus, my spirit man is the real me, not my soul. My spirit man is the real me. My spirit man is the real me. I'm feeding my spirit. So the dividing is Sunday. He said, there must be division among you, Sharon, so it can be clearly seen what is of God and what is not of God. So there's the division. He wanted me to make mention of that. The Great Divide So I'm going to Finish off now How much time do I have left please About seven minutes Well, should I finish now then John Because I haven't even got started On The repentance part that God has given me Alright So the divide So I'm going to bring you The two messages that, passed, that, 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 that the Lord brought To open up our new era I'm talking about heritage of faith people If you're visiting here You should actually be planted in a church somewhere You should ask, be asking the Holy Spirit Where you should be planted Where the roots of your being should be um, it's fine for you to visit, but you really need to be. You really need to be in a place where there's a spiritual leader that's watching out for your souls. For your soul. So the glory. The glory that br- Brother Jerry brought this word. So there were two messages that God heralded his new era within our church, the new cycle. I will take the children. And with that, he brought. A strong message from Pastor John that parents needed to be repenting of making their own plans for their own children. And then he brought the message of, um, we brought the message together of what is your more for? And he was talking about money. This is what Brother Jerry brought. He's marvelous. He said this in January 2021. His main reason for blessing you. And causing you to have abundant overflow. This beautiful new prophecy from Brother Jerry. Yay, yay, yay. I'm telling you something. We've been in Word of Faith for a long time. We saw people in their thousands by thousands flock to the Word of Faith because it included prosperity. Give me the money. Give me the money. This message will bring me money? They flocked until they found out that faith is not a formula for success. It's a relationship with Jesus. It's not a lucky dip that you can just pull prosperity scriptures out of and you don't live your life for him. Brother Jerry says his main reason for blessing you and causing you to have abundant overflow is not so that you can Store it up, but so that you can be a blessing and finance the work of God and be involved in this next great move of God. Get this deep down in your spirit now and decree right now that God is making me his vessel. He'll use me to be a distributor of finances. Hallelujah. All you have to do is say that. But you don't understand how broke I am. You don't understand what debt I'm in. Seek first the kingdom of God. Let these motives be first in your heart. Hallelujah. Let these desires be in your heart. God will help you to get out of that debt. Get this deep down in your spirit now and decree it right now. God is making me his vessel, using me to be a distributor of finances in this next great move of God. Don't miss this move of God. It's not to be consumed on our lust, not to be wasted on just the things that we lust after, that we think we're going to die if we don't have. God doesn't mind us living well. But my purpose for prosperity is how can, I can get to the place Where I live to give. My heart is pure before you. This is what Brother Jerry said. And that's the reason I'm asking you for prosperity. That's the reason I'm sowing seed. My financial seed is so that I can have seed to sow. You will multiply my seed sown. Hallelujah. I'm not in this for the money. I don't live for the money. I live to give. That's the greatest motivation in my life. I want to prosper. I want to go to a higher level. Because that means I'll have more to give. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If this is not in your heart, it requires your repentance because you want a repentance. Not because of what I say, because of something that you are experiencing now that God is giving you. And then God gave us the, that scripture, that on and on and on. He's always brought that scripture to our church. In Luke twelve eighteen. I'll just build bigger barns for myself. I'll just buy, when, 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 when we go, yes, the favor of God, increase, real estate and lands. I'll just buy another house and another house and another land and some more land. Oh, well, in the book of Acts, they sold their land and took the money to put it at the feet of the apostles. Yeah, it's a different motivation of the heart. Glory to God. So... Um, I'm, I'm just going to say this. Uh, if I live in redemption and revelation, then my revolution must come in the form of pre- repentance. This is Pastor John's 19th of June message. If I live in redemption, those all those four words, and revelation that comes from the messages, then my revolution must come in the re- form of my repentance. How so? Well, the minute I see my reason and my relevance and my reality is only my human condition, I apply redemption, God gives me revelation. I can't keep living the way I was just in reason and reality. I've got to change my mind and live in redemption and revelation to be spiritual. What's changing your mind? Repentance. Repentance is what creates the revolution. You can't have a revolution, he continued, Without repentance. Spiritually speaking, you can't. You've got to change your mind about something and then you've got to start behaving differently. And um, I will finish right there, but I haven't begun repentance, the whole teaching on repentance. So, whenever you deem it necessary, Pastor John. Have I? All right. 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 So I wrote this down. All right. Okay. I'm done with that. I'm going to read. I have to just read some extracts. Extracts from Pastor John's previous messages from 2020. He, he spoke, he brought a message about repentance that means to change your purpose as a result of knowledge, revelation, knowledge that you've received from the messages. And then he said, I want to remind you that repentance doesn't happen. This turnaround doesn't happen because I say something. It, turn, it happens because you receive something. If you do not want to receive what I'm telling you today, then you will not have a, a revolution. Let me tell you parents or anybody who's going to listen to this message. If you are going to have children and you can't ask God the question, how shall we manage this child? How are we, what are we supposed to raise this child up for? Then don't have children until you can answer that question before God. I'm just reading extracts of many, many messages, right? There are people here that have really listened to all those messages. I'm saying this to you, that when children get to a certain age, they are not yours. I want to remind you that repentance doesn't happen because I say something, because you receive something. If you do not want to receive what I'm telling you today, then you will not have a revolution. God said, I will take the children. I did not say that. Pastor John did not say that. God said, I will take The children. And in those messages, he spoke to parents to to dedicate their children like Isaac dedicated Abraham. I mean, Abraham dedicated Isaac, gave him completely up to God's purposes. Like Hannah dedicated Samuel. In those messages, it was quite clear how parents make their own plans for their children. I know of people and I will not even call them up yet because the time will come when they will give their own testimonies. Where conversations were had with them from as far back as they can remember. You will be this when you grow up. And they began to say, I want to be this when I grow up. I want to be this. I will be this when I grow up. And they have made their own plans for their children. And meantime, God has called them to be a missionary or God has called them to be to be something completely different. But because they've gone the way of the world, they have made it what they want to be. It's not too late to turn around ever. Oh, I've set up my child for life. My kids are sorted. They're sorted. I've got money. I taught them how to do this, how to be academically smart, how to be physically disciplined, how to do whatever. My kids are sorted. If they are not, not fully understanding that you have committed your life to God, then all they are learning from you is how to be disciplined and sorted, chasing day after day the thing that seems best to you and what they've learned from you. This is why it requires a personal repentance, and that's why I'm not asking you to do a public repentance. This is a personal thing between you and God if you're going to let that happen. You know, Pastor John, I thought about a family, and I definitely will not mention names. I thought about a family. They brought their firstborn to you. They brought their firstborn to you. They were moved in their hearts by the Holy Spirit to bring their firstborn to you to say, she's turned 12. Pastor John, we're bringing her to you. You are her pastor. We are not her pastors. You are her pastor. We bring her to you. You are her pastor. Bless her. We bring her life to you. Jesus was 12. When he knew he was supposed to be in his father's house and about his father's business. But parents are saying, you're supposed to be in the world about the business that I'm telling you to be about. And if I think back now, because she's much older now, how God has saved her life. Time and time again. She's a shining bright Star completely dedicated and consecrated to Jesus. Why? Because the parents brought her. Hannah brought Samuel to the church. Isn't that a first fruit principle? Now the rest are blessed. Many dangers the Lord has saved her out of. Her foot, Satan set traps for her, for her foot to get caught in a hidden tray, snare and a trap and a danger, and God has saved her. This is not to shame you because you haven't done it, this is so that you can turn around now. Even if your children are much older, if you repent now, then you have authority legally with God to ask God to move on behalf of your rebellious children. Because you don't justify yourself in how you raised them. You humbled yourself before God. To say, I did not inquire of you. You can have conversations and justify yourself so much that you think it's God. You even say it's God. God showed me. Look how God's blessing them. Look, look, look how well they're doing. God's blessing them. The divide is here. It's here. There's a repentance. This can't just be a mental thing. Children, this is where you change your purpose and your lifestyle. Otherwise, the devil, let me tell you, he will steal your future. Will you turn around? Pastor John said, the Holy Spirit is asking you, please, will you turn around? Ask him. Ask him what is that he desires for you. Ask him what is that that he wants to do with your life and your children's lives. These moments can be quiet, very deep. They can be loud. They can be full of wailing if you want. They can be lots of words you have to stay, but in your heart, your heart, you get back to what he has for your future. It will bring you to your purpose. Let me tell you, it will cost your current life. But if your current life does not bring you to the purpose that God called you to be, what is the point of any other life? It's just following the next step. This is your moment for you parents to repent, turning around from holding on to your children and say they're my children. Their achievements are my achievements. They are not. You have no ownership of what happens to their lives. You are only a manager of their lives for a very short period of time. I want to say to the adults and parents here, it's extracts from many messages. God had me spring the children here today because he's taking the children. And I want to just make the statement so that you know I am the pastor of the children. So if you as a parent are saying, no, Pastor John, you're sitting here today. You are not the pastor of my child. I'm pastoring them. I'm shepherding them. I am being their prophet. I'm declaring over their lives what they will be. I'm teaching them. then Pastor John is not their pastor. You've decided that. But children can decide for themselves. I'm the pastor of the children, even though you may be the parents of the children. There is a big difference. If they're in this church, I'm their spiritual shepherd and their leader. So the Lord has instructed me to do this today. He is saying, I will take the children. So... It's just an example, a big example. It's big rock. Pastor John went on to speak about the big rock moments we're having in this church. That's a big rock moment still to God today. What's your more for? What is your more of your money for? What, Where is your relationship with God? Where is your relationship with God in regard to your children? What conversations you are having in your home and what repentance is happening in your heart? And um, so... That's all I'm going to say. I'm done. Pastor John, is there something you would like to say? I'm out of time now, right? We're in a big rock moment. That's why Pastor John said we were in a big rock moment as a church. We're at a place in our life now where we cannot look back with affection to where we used to live. You go back there, your life will turn into a pillar of salt and become useless. This is a big rock moment for us. I'm not telling you that everything God's going to tell you is easy. But when you obey God and you get that intimate with God and what he wants you to do, you do establish the covenant forever. So there are times that God will speak to you and he will leave. So that you can get to a place in your heart where you go, oh, well, maybe that wasn't so important. Sure. I'm glad those messages are over. Yeah. Because I've already rested them. I've rested them. I've already put them in, in along with all of my own philosophies and ideologies. So... But it was a big rock moment and that's why God's not letting us go because the people that have not made progress from I will take the children and what you're more for are not progressing with any of the other messages either even if you're in the message. You just have to know that those were the two messages that he heralded his new his new era and his new open door with I will take the children and What's you're more for. So if you didn't get that, you can't jump in now on the messages and go, I already rested that. I already put that in with my own philosophy. We've already discussed that as a family. We already put that in its proper place of our philosophy. We don't need to take it literally. So repentance for a revolution. Because that's where God's got us. All right. I am actually done, Pastor John. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. We thank you, Father. I mean, there's many scriptures I have about repentance. Jesus, I will list them. Okay. Oh, and then the Lord also said Resistance. He spoke to me about resistance, Pastor John, repentance, resistance. You brought that message last week where you said the resistance came from the people. So there are still people that that are not of us that are resisting the messages that are coming. There's still an, an amount of resistance against the messages that are coming in this church because they rest with the words, that's how they resist it. The resistance, you said, the things that God wants to do through you. Now, through this ecclesia and the people with you, that you couldn't do it then because of the people resisted you. The people in the church resisted you. And so God's going to deal with that resistance now in this church because Pastor John is now qualified. He's fought the beasts. He's won. He's come victorious. And he is going to. God is going to do everything that God is it purposed in the heart of God for Pastor John to accomplish for the kingdom in this ecclesia. And that's it. That's just it. Right. Resistance from the people. Um there is even now resistance I wrote here, even resting, but there's enough now that are not. And that's where the divide is coming. You know. Um Alright. We just see where the repentance scriptures are. I've got too many notes here. Okay, repentance scriptures. Jesus writes to the churches in the New Testament. So I'm going to use New Testament scriptures for you to look at. Jesus says um, in Revelation 2, 4, repent, do the first works. Else I will come quickly to you and remove your lampstand unless you repent. Revelation 2:16, repent. Acts 3, 19 to 20, beautiful. Repent, therefore, reform your lives. So that the record of your sins may be cancelled and that there may come seasons of revival from the Lord. That there may come seasons of revival from the Lord. That's the Weymouth. You see, when you repent in your inner being, then revival comes into your inner being. You're revived from the inside out. Ah, Hallelujah. Glory to God repentance brings revival. Revival is not something that's out there. All of the outpouring, the revival, the the the, the awakening, the all those words, the glory, everything happens inside of you. It's not something you have to wait for to see. I wonder if there's going to be, is people going to run around or people going to laugh or people going to cry? There's revival. No, revival happens in you. You come alive. You wake up. You have experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in you. Visitation is not something that happens somewhere away from you. Your visitation is because you're letting Him visit you, inside you. That's what visitation, manifestation in you, outpouring in you, revival in you, awakening you, awakening inside you. And when you repent... With all of the messages, you judge yourself. That's another way of saying it. It says, You repent, therefore, and reform your love so that the record of your sins may be cancelled and there may come seasons of revival from the Lord. Glory to God. Acts 3.19, Amplified, says, So oh, repent, change your mind and purpose, turn around and return to God, that your sins may be blotted out, wiped clean, that times of refreshing, of recovering from the effects of heat, of reviving with fresh air may come from the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Revelations 3, I counsel you to purchase from me gold, that you may see. All right. That's it. That's enough scripture. The stirring of the whole consciousness, what repentance means. And like it says in Hebrews 12, that among you, it's talking about people in a church, in a congregation. Look carefully. Lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this many become defiled. Your your carnality and your disobedience and your discarding of God's word here affects everybody in the church. And it's becoming more so as people, as the divide is becoming more obvious. Those that are totally giving themselves and those that are not. Right? And it's never too late. Um, It says here, "Lest any root of of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many in the church become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. You know what your birthright is? Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus! I didn't. I don't think I brought it. you know what your birthright is—that you despising. You're saying I don't want legacy transfer Legacy transfer what Irrational honor what Pastor John's obedience And honor and accountability What Legacy transfer what From Smith Wigglesworth John G. Lake I don't want that Kenneth Hagen what Kenneth Copeland what Jerry Savelle, what? John Ben Dixon, who? For your flesh, just because you want to do what you want to do, you are selling out your birthright. Because Pastor John, there's many that have had access to this birthright, but few have positioned themselves for it. It's available to anybody, but Pastor John's positioned himself for it. And it's coming to us now. What's it going to look like? We're not troubling our mind about that, but we know what's happening in us. We know what's happening in us. It's already beginning to come out of us, the legacy transfer. It's already beginning to come forth from us, the legacy transfer. It's already just because we're becoming. Because we're becoming by the words and the messages. We don't have to say, where's my gift? Where's my place? Where's my place in the church? No, because we're of this church. We're becoming. For one morsel of his flesh, he sold his birthright. For you know that afterwards, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he, reject- he was rejected. He found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. I mean, Esau really cried. Went to his father mm. Mm. The fact that his tears were fake Was proved by this The minute his father, he couldn't get it from his father He said, i kill you i kill my brother Shows that his repentance was not real It was fake He didn't want to repent. He didn't want to repent. He didn't want repentance to be a part of his process of his life and his heart. Feelings of remorse and gestures of sorrow, works of penance or self-mortification have no value. God's definitive revelation demands final, unconditional decision on man's part. It demands radical conversion, a transformation of nature, a definitive turning from evil, a resolute turning to God in total obedience. Repentance affects the whole man, first and basically the center of personal life, then his conduct at all times, in all situations, his th- thoughts, his words, his acts. Hallelujah. It's a proclamation. Repentance is a proclamation of unconditional turning to God. An unconditional turning from all that is against God. It calls for total surrender. Total commitment to the will of God. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Hallelujah. It's more than a break with old nature. It embraces the whole work of, walk of the man who is claimed by the divine lordship of Jesus. Carries with it the founding of a new personal relation of man to God. Hallelujah to be a child is to be little matthew eighteen three to be little that's what repentance is like It's to be little to be little, to be little to need help. I need help yeah I must repent here, Lord, Lord, I need help here to be little, to be receptive to it. He who is converted becomes little before God It's God's gift, repentance. And yet it does not cease to be a binding requirement. It is both these at one and the same time. Glory. Glory to God. So Father, like Pastor John stood here in the pulpit those years ago and said, may the fear of God come upon us. I can just repeat those words this morning. May the fear of God come upon us. May it rest in our hearts, Lord. May there come, that's all I can ask, Lord, is may there come a desire, a new desire in their hearts to want to turn around and change and want to repent, Lord. Lord. Not like Esau, Lord. May they come and may there be a, re- a response because of your grace. May they, May they be persuaded by the Holy Spirit that they can tap your grace to be able to repent. Father, I pray that this message, Father, will do what you've intended it to do, Father. Because I know that this message rings out now into eternity. Drings out into eternity that there will be an accountability that you will require of everyone that has sat here listening to this message, Father. And everyone that should have come here this morning that didn't come, they should have heard it. This message is now lodged in the Spirit, Father. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Pray that your people are blessed with this, Lord. They are blessed with us. They're blessed with your mercy to be able to repent. I speak this blessing upon them today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And everybody said, Amen. Bye, everybody.